Well, good morning. Our gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 12. Jesus is on his way to Galilee. Uh, Well, he's in Galilee. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And a great crowd has gathered around him. Jesus, he's, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, and he's teaching. And in fact, in the, in the first part of chapter 12, from which we read, uh, you get some of the most comforting teaching that Jesus gives to us. Jesus says to the crowd, don't worry. I don't want you to worry. Consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. God cares for them And God will care for you as well because you are precious in His sight. Then He tells the crowds, little flock, do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So lots of teaching, lots of comforting words from Jesus. But then fast forward to the end of the chapter, which, which is our reading today, and we get this. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. I have come to bring fire to the earth. What happened to the lilies, right? I'd kind of like to go back to that teaching. Sometimes I'm frustrated by the lectionary, which is our series of readings that we read every Sunday, because often the lectionary can avoid the difficult passages in the Scriptures. But I'm impressed today by the lectionary, because today the church says that we need to wrestle with these words. And we need to wrestle with the anger and the confrontation of Jesus. And we need to do this because unless we understand his anger, if we don't understand it, we're not going to understand what God is up to in the world and what God is up to in our lives. So let's talk this morning just about this anger And we can say wrath of Jesus that we meet. So, first thing I want to say about the anger of Jesus we meet when he says, I come to bring fire to the earth. First thing to say is that this anger, the anger of Jesus, the anger of God, it comes from love. You know, anger can come from a lot of different places. It can come from hatred. It can come from fear. It can come from envy. But we know that God is love, as John tells us. And therefore, God's anger, Jesus' anger, is born from love. I don't think I really appreciated how much anger that love can create until I became a parent. I remember once when my youngest child, Adele, she was probably in around second or third grade, and she started getting migraines. Uh, These were migraines that were pretty debilitating and painful. They would knock her out for the whole day, if not the next. She now has some prescription medication that she can take 
when she feels them coming on. But uh, right at the beginning, when they started to first happen, we were still figuring things out. But we did know that if, if we caught the migraine early enough, there were some things we could do, uh, such as getting her in a dark room, away from light, letting her rest. So one day, uh, she was probably eight years old, she's at school, and she feels a migraine coming on. And so what she did is she went to the teacher, like we told her to do, and, and said, I, I feel a migraine coming on. Can I go to the nurse? Can I go lay down? And her teacher refused to believe her, told her to go sit back in her desk. She couldn't leave the class. And Adele subsequently got pretty sick from, from this migraine. And I can remember just being so, so angry at this teacher because I felt like she wasn't caring for my child. You know, when someone you love is mistreated or hurt or harmed by someone else, there is a deep anger that wells up within you. That's how love, love works. Love wants to protect. Love wants the very best for the other. And you will fight and you will confront for the one that you love. That's what true love does. And this is what the love of God is like. God gets angry. He gets angry when what he loves is being exploited or mistreated. So God's anger, it is born from love. Now here's the second point about this anger of God. And this is the remarkable thing about this anger born from love. And that is God's anger makes things possible that weren't possible before. It's interesting, Jesus speaks of his anger in terms of fire. Again, I have come to bring fire to the earth. You know, most of the time, the anger we meet in the world, it, it doesn't do a lot of good. It just ends up hurting people. It, it ends up damaging or destroying relationships. But God's anger is different. This anger born from love, it makes new things possible. A few years ago, uh, our family took a trip out to California, and we drove through the state, and we tried to hit all the national parks in California. And I can remember driving into Sequoia National Park, which is an amazing place. Uh, but as we drove into Sequoia, the first thing I noticed uh, was the smoke. I've, been, I've spent a lot of time in national parks, national forests, but I'd never seen smoke like this. It was everywhere. And what we quickly learned is that they were doing a number of controlled burns in the area uh, that we were in. Big sections of the forest they were burning. And they had all these crews out making sure that the, for that the forest fires that they were setting did not spread. And in visiting the visitor center, there was a special little display talking about how important fire is for the ecology of the forest. Because what, what fire does in the forest, and, I, and I'm sure we all know this, is that it, it burns up all the dead debris on the ground. Right? Without fire, this 
debris would just keep piling up. So the fire burns up this debris, and it actually breaks the debris down into nutrients. So it can make its way down into the soil. With the giant sequoias, it's kind of interesting. The fire actually makes the pine cones, which are normally dormant, makes them pop open so that all of a sudden these seeds land in ashy soil, which is now rich with all these new nutrients making life possible. That's a helpful way to think of God's fiery anger. And the truth is there, are, there is a lot of brush in this world that needs to be burned up. And if we're honest, there's a lot of brush within ourselves that needs to be burned up. Here's another way to think about God's fire. Um, in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, there's an image given of God. And God is depicted as a refiner sitting by the fire. In those days in the market, you would have refiners, uh, goldsmiths, silversmiths, uh, but they would work with metal. And they would sit by the fire, and what they would do is they would remove the impurities from the metal. It's, it's a fine art. The refiner has to be careful, has to be attentive, watching the fire burn the silver or the gold until it's purified. And once it's purified, then they can make something beautiful out of it. There's a story of a woman, she's watching a silversmith working, and she asks, you know, how do you, how do you know when the silver is purified? And he responds, well, well, that's easy. It's purified when I can see my reflection in it. My God is like that silversmith, carefully watching us, refining us, until he can see his reflection in us. You see, God's anger, the, the fire of God's anger, which Jesus talks about today, it, it, it wants to burn away the oppression, the injustice, and the sin of the world. And it wants to burn away the sin in our lives. And it wants to do this for our good, so that it can reveal who we truly are and we're meant to be, to transform us into the image of Christ. I mean, this is why, this is why the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God working in us, is described as fire. I mean, think about that. The, this is the, the image of the Holy Spirit is fire, a fire that burns but does not destroy. But you see, it is, it is still fire. And the problem with fire is it, it burns. Just like when you clean a wound, it stings. And God's fire is not without pain. There was an article in the New York Times a number of years ago. Uh, and the article was entitled, Can Forgiveness Play a Role in Criminal Justice? Uh, the article tells the story of Anne and Connor, two late teenagers living in Tallahassee. Uh, they had been dating for three years. They were engaged to be married. Families knew each other, were very close. But one night, 
After an intense argument, Connor, who had no history of violence, shot Anne and killed her. Before she died, Anne was taken to the hospital. And in her first night there, her father found himself praying by her bed. And this is what the article says. The room was silent except for the rhythmic whoosh of the ventilator keeping her alive. And although her parents, who are practicing Catholics, held out hope, it was clear that unless God did wondrous things, Anne would not survive. Anne's mother had gone home to get some sleep, so her father was alone in her room, praying fervently over his daughter, just listening, he says, for that first word that may come out. The article continues, Anne's head was covered in bandages, that's, that's where she was shot, and she was intubated and unconscious, but her father felt her say, forgive him. His response was immediate, no, he said out loud, no way, it's impossible. But he kept hearing his daughter's voice, forgive him, forgive him. Now, Anne died a few days later, but during these few days, her father, at the end of the few days, he said this, and this is a quote, I came to realize it was not just Anne asking me to forgive Connor, it was Jesus. And then the article that tells the stories about how Anne, Anne's parents sought reconciliation rather than focusing all their energy, energies on, on punishing Connor. He did get 20 years in prison. But instead of focusing on, on punishing him, they truly sought to forgive. And what they did is they went through a process with the state of Florida uh, called restorative justice. And it involved three days of, of sitting with Connor. So it was Connor, it was the parents of Anne, there was a lawyer, there was a facilitator. And during these three days, they all talked about the crime. They, they poured out their hurt. They poured out their incredible anger. It, it was agony for everyone involved. One lawyer who was there for the entire three days said this. He said, it was unbearable to listen to them talk. It was as traumatic as anything I've ever listened to. It was fire. But at the end, Anne's father, who, who thought forgiveness was impossible, what he found was that his anger and his pride, his helplessness and his shame at the senseless death of his daughter, that these things had slowly started to burn away. This fire, they did not, they did not choose it, but they also didn't run from it. They sought to be faithful in it, leaving them, especially the Father, with the glimmer of hope that forgiveness was possible. Here's a quote I came upon this week. It's not from the Scriptures, but it's deeply scriptural. It says, Crisis is that edge where change is possible. Crisis is that edge where change is possible. You know, all of us are going to go through crises in our life, whether that's a health crisis, a vocational crisis, 
an emotional crisis. And, and this is not some sermon that is telling you that everything happens for a reason or every crisis has a silver lining. You know, when you're going through a crisis and somebody says that to you, you just want to reach out and, and, and hit them. But what I think we need to be honest about is that to engage with God, to be in a relation, a real relationship with God, is to engage not only with the God of the lilies, but it means engaging with a God of fire. A God who wants to burn away the debris in our life so that a new type of life can emerge. And so I will say the next time you feel the fire of life when all you see is smoke, when this happens, remember the remarkable fire of God. Remember that God is with you in the fire, that, that where you see destruction, God sees hope, and that where we only see dust and ashes, God has the power to kneel down, just like he did in the beginning, and bring new life from the ground. Amen.